0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson.
0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We certainly appreciate being included as a part of your day. And we're going to talk through a lot of different issues moving in the world of agriculture here today. If you check the commodity markets, the grains have some red on the screen today. Dr. Matt Roberts, the lead grain and oil seeds economist with Terrain, will join us in just a moment with a look at what's moving in these commodity markets. Then later on in the program, we're going to check it with Chandler Gould. He serves the CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. They testified yesterday in front of the House Ag Committee talking about the importance of crop insurance. Chandler will bring that conversation to us later in the show. And before we go, we're going to talk with Scott Hayes. He's the president of the National Pork Producers Council. We're going to talk about their push for the Farm Bill here in 2023. Before we get into all of that, however, we're going to turn the conversation over to the grain and oil seeds markets. Dr. Matt Roberts from Terrain. Thanks for joining us today, sir. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, really appreciate you joining us. And Matt, we're taking a look at the commodity markets today. There is some red on the screen today. What is it that the traders are focused on today? Where's the where's the excitement for the commodity sector gone?
2: In reality, this time of year, there's never a whole lot of excitement. I mean, that's not actually quite true. No news is typically good news. Any news is typically bad news. Um, when we look at pure prices, wheat continues to be under pressure as weather patterns change. We see a lot more moisture coming into the Great Plains how much does it matter for wheat, how much does it not? We know that there's a lot of damage already done that's irre- irreversible on the hard red in the West. Uh, meanwhile, when you look in the East so- soft red winter, I mean, it looks like people's lawns. It is beautiful out there, just perfect stands. And so there's just not a whole lot to get excited about in the wheat. We know that we're, we're gonna hear, as we're starting to hear more about the grain corridor thing ramping up. Um, I've been a pretty big believer all along. Russia would not leave the grain corridor because it would just hurt them too much politically uh, with their few remaining allies. It now appears that probably they have enough opportunities. Uh, Ukraine shrunken crop size this year uh, and better logistics. They're not going to rely on the grain corridor like they did. So if it goes away, it's probably not going to be the big win that a lot that we really that it would have been last year for prices.
0: Oh shoot. Okay. That was going to be my next question. I was hoping maybe if, if the Russian, that big crop that I know they've been working to sell, if we were able to lock that away in Russia, then the global markets could move a little higher, but it sounds like it'd be really tough to lock that crop away in Russia. I imagine it's going to leak out those borders, won't
2: it? It'll get out the borders. It'll get out. It'll get out to to India. It'll get out through other ports. Um, It will still get out. And again, the issue is it's not just the big crop uh, that's there. It's now what's going forward in all of these
0: and what is going forward in all of these Matt let's bring the focus away from the Black Sea that issue is going to be what it is we'll have to watch the politics there as those headlines continue to come out though it sounds as though maybe the market reaction to a will they won't they leave the grain quarter might be a little bit more muted in the weeks ahead is that how you're reading the situation
2: yeah it is we I'm looking at this as If this had happened uh, three months ago, six months ago, this would have been a big, big green move. Uh, We're talking 25, 30, 50 cents in wheat, Uh, not quite as big in corn, but still a big boost in both of those. I think if tomorrow the switch flipped and we saw the corridor go away, we're now talking 10, 15 cents maybe. Uh, It's not gonna be big. It's not gonna be as long live because I think we're still, the amount of grain that needs to get out uh, is smaller and the logistics to get it out are more established
0: all right so we've got that issue going on in the world of wheat matt i want to turn the focus back to corn we saw as we talked earlier uh, on the show here this week china has canceled a large corn sale we've got additional risk out there in the export market how concerned are you about additional corn cancellations here as we get deeper into summer
2: i'm certainly concerned about additional cancellations we've had a relatively weak exports all year long in the old crop. We've seen the numbers get cut by USDA. I still think USDA is gonna to have to do at least one more round of corn export cuts on their balance sheet. And so when we see these cancellations, that that brings it even closer. I mean, this this moves us backwards. So demand has been weak we're getting hurt both uh by relatively small you know it's a little bit smaller than normal harvest we didn't you know we you know yields were disappointing stronger dollar and
0: we're just not seeing global demand like we like we'd hoped. We're not. We're not seeing it coming to the U.S., Matt. But we are seeing global demand find suppliers elsewhere this time of year. Unfortunately for American producers, those sellers are in South America. How how big of a disadvantage does American soybeans do American soybeans have on the global scene price wise versus Brazilian beans right now?
2: very significant i mean we are at differentials where we will probably see beans starting to come into north carolina uh the basis differential is gonna gonna drive that now look this is nothing to be shocked about it's certainly not the first time it happens it's just a sign that this is where we are in the markets uh strong again strong dollar in the united states hurts us lots and lots of beans in brazil now we are continuing now we're now that argentina is actually in the fields is harvesting we're hearing even bigger cuts to those yield estimates or those total production estimates uh some some analysts now saying maybe as low as 22 maybe even 20 million metric tons so we're talking about a 50 percent loss um that's huge but again brazil with with the monster crop that brazil does appear to be pulling out um is is more than offsetting that and keeping us in an uncompetitive place now we've had a pretty good year honestly in soybean exports uh it hasn't been a hadn't been the best year ever but it really it's been a good year so i don't i think we stay on pace i don't think we need to see cuts in the balance
0: sheet there All right, 2022 was a good year for exports, Matt. We did see a lot of international buyers for American soy. curious about the 2023-2024, this new crop season, the risk that's out there. We could see soybean acres grow given the potential slow planting up in the Northern Plains. We do have a big crop coming out of Brazil that will be on the market for this entire year. How much downside risk is there in these new crop bean prices? Oh, boy. And even this morning i saw a projection come out for
2: next year's uh brazilian uh production and you know shout out to angie setzer she was like whoa let's 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 not discuss this yet we still haven't figured out what we're doing with what we got and she's right on point um it it is scary the question i think that will determine whether the downside risk is minimal besides obviously yield in the united states is how fast are we going to see crush demand in the United States grow? Uh, We've already seen renewable diesel surpass uh, production, surpass biodiesel. Uh, We know that there are a number of crushing plants, I think another um, six to 700 million bushels a year of crush capacity under construction. At the same time, as we hear from D.C., there's a lot of arguments around the biofuels incentives, and in this bill that now has been passed in the House, uh, they did actually strip out the sustainable aviation fuel credit. They did restore the other credit, but they did strip that one out
0: lots of there. It would be good if we could get that domestic demand built up for this flood of soybeans that could be coming here in the year ahead. Folks, we've been talking with Dr. Matt Roberts, the Senior Grain and Oil Seeds Economist with Terrain. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. And folks, be with us. We'll be talking a lot more agriculture here on AOA when the show returns. agriculture of america is brought to you by Senex maxtron synthetic diesel engine oil oil that runs smart welcome to the 2023 corn sprint please be silent as the runners take their marks and looks like one plant has already pulled into an early lead because it's been enhanced with biopath a biological fertilizer complement from the mosaic company wait wait and the early favorite has crossed the finish line get the most out of your fertilizer investment don't forget to add biopath to your early season application talk to your retailer about mosaic biologicals today or visit cornsprint.com
3: sometimes life is wonderful and sometimes it's not cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612.
0: Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong.
5: A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart.
1: Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA marches on here this morning, and we've got some news. Uh, Dr. Matt Roberts mentioned it briefly there in that first segment, and it's worth talking about in a little more detail. It's an issue that if the bill should make further progress, we might have to dig into a little bit more. But as Dr. Roberts mentioned, uh, there are currently a lot of bills pending in Congress. One of the most important right now, at least on the House of Representatives side, is the bill to address the debt ceiling. Now, as a part of that bill, we saw how Republicans put together a plan that they estimate would save in theory about four and a half trillion dollars and as a part of that they're looking to cut back a lot of tax incentives and tax credits that were unveiled here in recent years now one of the most Ag-influential parts of this push, I should say, aside from the SNAP changes that we've talked about on the program, the, the potential cuts or modifications, rather, to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, House Republicans took aim at some of the biofuel tax credits that were included in this Inflation Reduction Act that passed back in 2021 importantly from biofuels advocates perspective there has been a proposed cut here in this house piece of legislation that would strip some of the tax credits related to sustainable aviation fuel this is that uh, category of liquid fuels that biofuels advocates are very very excited about sustainable aviation fuel is a sustainable so a biologically based drop-in replacement for Jet A. Basically, we're gonna use ethanol, biodiesel, renewable diesel, et cetera, to create a jet fuel. And there has been a push in this sector for about 10 years. Several companies are very active with pilot plants right now creating and developing sustainable aviation fuel, but nobody is fully in production as of yet. And that's what has the industry concerned. Jeff Cooper at the Renewable Fuels Association believes that, uh, quote, Over the last 18 months, there's been a growing recognition in our industry that long term, you've got to be looking at new uses and new markets and non-traditional applications for ethanol if we're going to continue to grow our industry and its value. And one of the places they really see that growth and value being there is in the sustainable aviation fuel. Now, it was true that under the IRA, that is still the law, sustainable aviation fuel, if it was able to complete a 50% reduction in emissions over comparable jet fuel, then that producer would receive a $1.25 per gallon tax credit. Now, that's what the uh, the House Republicans are looking to cut. It is worth saying that this bill that's been put out there to address the debt ceiling so far is, is really only being taken up by Republicans. As of now, the Senate has not said that they will consider any of this. And as of this morning, at least, President Joe Biden had not weighed in on the claim. So we'll see what House Republicans do. It does appear that this is much more of a messaging issue, but I think it highlights the fact that these tax credits, even though some of them are fairly new, they're not here to stay necessarily. That attention from D.C. will be coming here over the remainder of this year. There was some other interesting agricultural news that developed here this week a lot of folks out there across the countryside right now might be standing in their sheds might be working on some pieces of equipment trying to get everything ready for planting here in these tight windows that we've got and well if you're anything like me chances are some stuff just isn't working and you'd like to get it repaired well the state of colorado for the first time of any state in the country passed a right to repair bill specifically for agriculture. Uh, Jared Polis, the government in, uh, excuse me, the governor in uh, Colorado, Jared is a Democrat. He signed the Consumer Right to Repair Agricultural Equipment Act earlier this week. It's worth noting in the Colorado legislature, this piece of legislation was bipartisan and uh, it really moved pretty smoothly. It passed the Colorado uh, uh, Senate. 46 to 14 earlier this month. And this law will go into effect in the state of Colorado on January 1st, 2024. What this is going to require is it's basically a codification of the agreement that was reached earlier this year between John Deere and the American Farm Bureau Federation. Only this law would apply to a lot more than just John Deere. It would apply to every ag manufacturer. What they're looking to do is to have manufacturers, they call out uh, John Deere and CNH Industrial, and they say these Companies will have to provide farmers with diagnostic tools for addressing repairs, have to come with software to allow third parties or growers to maintain the repair and documentation so you can understand exactly what you're doing. Not only does this allow the owner of the piece of equipment to have access to these tools, it also allows independent technicians to have access to these same resource or resources there throughout the industry. January 1st, 2024. It's worth noting Colorado isn't the only state to have one of these bills uh, under discussion. About 15 different states across the country have taken a look at how they could better manage some of these concerns. Looking out across the sea, we talked about the grain corridor there with Dr. Matt Roberts here just a moment ago, and the back and forth over Ukrainian and Russian grain exports continues to develop in Eastern Europe. The Grain Corridor, of course, is the idea of loading ships in the Black Sea at ports throughout Russia and Ukraine, inspecting those ships to make sure no no funny business is going on. Turkey has been the country doing those inspections and then sending the ships out to their their final end user. Well, with the corridor shut down, it has been shut down for several days due to lack of inspectors. There is a lot of uncertainty about whether or not Russia will allow this Grain Corridor to continue, especially once we get past May 18th. And that has caused a lot of grain inside Ukraine to move over land. And this grain has been spilling out of Ukraine's borders. Uh, Countries surrounding Ukraine were willing early on to allow passage of Ukrainian grain through their countries on the rails and on the truck, so long as it would eventually leave their shores. Well, as the last six months of this uh, Ukrainian war has ramped up, what these farmers in Eastern Europe have found is that the grain isn't leaving their countries. This grain is leaking across the border from Russia and Ukraine and is depressing prices in Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, several other Eastern European countries. Romania most recently has jumped on. Now, the EU has not been as responsive to these farmers' claims as as their governments would have liked, but it appears as if that might be changing. The European Commission, for the first time, will ban European grain and oil seeds exports to Romania until June 5th. This is according to the Romanian Ag Minister, and it is worth noting that Romania has not yet put a ban in place so far. This is just a suspension of exports, whereas Poland, Hungary, Bulgaria, and Slovakia, all four of those countries, have taken unilateral steps here in the past two weeks to lock Ukrainian grain out of their countries, at least on an overland route. Though the polls did say they are preparing to put together a plan that would allow monitored grain to move through the country on the rails, provided it did already have a buyer at an export market somewhere else. Coming back to the United States, we've got some news from Tyson Foods. There has been an aggressive plan at Tyson over the past year to cut costs. Uh, In 2021, Tyson announced they are trying to save $1 billion in savings. And as a part of that, uh, well, in 2022, we saw Tyson call their corporate offices all back to Arkansas, their home state. And this most recent memo went out on Wednesday, and it said the company will be reducing, quote, enterprise-wide corporate overhead, which is costs, and they're going to do that by eliminating 15 percent of senior leadership roles and 10 percent total of corporate roles so that is happening right now we've got some other news developing in the world of agriculture specifically this is more news coming from the world of biofuels policy although this particular news isn't exactly biofuels this is E-RINs, Electronic Renewable Identification Numbers. This was a proposal that the EPA put out last year looking to find a way to broaden the renewable fuel standard away from your traditional liquid biofuels and to include more All of the above, alternative types of transportation, which, of course, in this market, in this environment, means electricity, electric vehicles, battery-powered cars. So as part of the RFS set rule that we've discussed many times, this is a three-year proposal from the EPA on the renewable volume obligations, how many biofuels need to get blended into the nation's fuel supply. So they released this three-year proposal back in June, and one of the things they included was an expansion of the electric vehicle industry by creating what they call e RINs. The idea would be if a RIN is created by a program that creates significantly less greenhouse gases, it could qualify for this tax credit type program, this effective credit that will allow some additional return on the creation of electricity. Now it's worth noting that there is some serious pushback from the traditional biofuels industry. They say this might be going against the grain of what the government was hoping for with the renewable fuel standard. These battles over RFS policy, over the set rule, over rins, all of this stuff will be intensifying here over the next three months. This will go part and parcel with the Farm Bill discussion as that starts to ramp up across Capitol Hill. Folks, stay with us. In segment three, we're going to check in with Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. We're going to talk about their president's testimony yesterday in front of the House Ag Committee. So stay with there'll be more AOA coming up next. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Join us every Tuesday for Round the Table, brought to you by CHS. As we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
5: Get on board. The water is open. It's time to go boating and fishing and leave stress in our wake. Feel the wind as we ride and a fish on the line. Reel in our first catch and feel the sun at our backs. It's get out on the water season. It's time to get on board. Find out where to get on board near you. Visit Take Me Fishing and Discover Boating to learn more. And please recreate responsibly.
6: Get on board. Get on board.
7: You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, the grain and oilseed trade moving lower as we are sliding on weak demand. China came in and canceled more corn purchases here this morning. That is something that is definitely going to weigh on this market. Corn was uh, able to get down to support levels here in the overnight trade, and we are currently below those here in the July contract with corn uh, breaking through the March low at 597 and then filling a gap from last July at 5955 half. We push down to the 590 level though here in July Quorum. The U.S. did have a good string of sales to China over the past few weeks, but the cancellations we've been seeing here have put a negative tone on this market, with traders fearing that there are more to come, more demand destruction could be seen. Soybeans are lower for what would be the seventh consecutive day if this holds, and soybean meal's been a factor as we broke through key support levels in bean meal yesterday. We continue to watch the Black Sea Grain Initiative. Russia again blocked movement of four ships in the safe corridor yesterday but they appear to be moving again today. Export demand for grain and oil seeds remains very soft, while chart signals are weak, resulting in continued fund selling here as we work through our trading week. In the livestock sector, marketing year high, weekly export sales for hogs, uh, as we saw pork sales, a little over 50,000 metric tons, seeing a little bit of support there and a little bit of moderate support in the cattle trade as well here as we work through Thursday's session. Wheat markets are being impacted lower again by the good rains in the southern and southwestern plains. Right now, we see corn anywhere from 5 to 10 lower, beans 4 to 6 lower, and the wheat markets anywhere from 4 to 8 lower in Chicago and KC. Some double-digit losses in Minneapolis spring wheat, with moderate strength again in cattle and hogs. Crude oil up 69 cents, a barrel 74.99. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting.
0: agriculture of america is brought to you by Senex maxtron synthetic diesel engine oil oil that runs smart
1: information farmers and ranchers need to know a-o-a now back to mike pearson welcome
0: back ladies and gentlemen to aoa thanks for making us a part of your day you know we have been talking a lot recently about the efforts in washington to get this new 2023 farm bill written and commodity groups recently made some headlines in getting news to representatives the president of the National Association of Wheat Growers, Brent Shane, testified yesterday in front of a House subcommittee about crop insurance. Joining us now to discuss how that testimony went and what wheat growers are looking for in this new farm bill is Chandler Gould. He serves as CEO the of the National Association of Wheat Growers. And Chandler, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show well let's talk yesterday chandler on wednesday wheat growers had the chance to testify along with another a, lo- a number of other commodity organizations and what was on the minds of brent shane when he went before congress
8: you know uh with, with the things that president shane discussed on behalf of u.s wheat growers was actually a uh, very common theme across many of the other commodity organizations that was there as well. But clearly we led off with the, the extreme importance of crop insurance and the risk management tool that it provides to our growers. who have so many different variabilities that they have to deal with and that we wanted to see that 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 program maintained, if not it also expanded to where it makes it more affordable to have higher coverage at a lower cost, especially as we continue to have these extreme weather patterns. So overall, that was the biggest push, not only from the wheat growers, but from all the commodity groups, but there were several other asks uh, during that hearing.
0: So how? what was the response of the representatives there at this subcommittee? They're being presented with all of this information about rising costs here in the countryside. Chandler, did they have good questions? Was this more of a listening session? What's this like for those of us who have never testified before Congress?
8: You know, this was a very good hearing. Uh, the members of the subcommittee on the General Farm Commodities and Risk Management had a very thorough and thoughtful questions. Uh, many of them ask very specific things. What is the average cost of production for, uh, for wheat? And across our six classes and, and looking at it, it's about $7.12 a bushel is the cost of production, but our reference price or our PLC price is at $5.50. And so uh, the main things that you kept hearing were, you know, the safety net is no longer an adequate safety net because it it's not able to adjust to the increased cost of production. And inflation and other issues that we are facing in agriculture that message was very well received i felt that the members on the committee understood it because they heard it from many of us along with president shane and the wheat growers and you know the need that we need to add more money to this farm bill to make that safety net adequate not take money out of it due to other situations like the, uh, the debt ceiling and things that people are discussing right now. And so um, good questions, they were very thorough and I was very pleased uh, not only with the wheat growers but with the entire committee and the other commodity groups that were there.
0: It's good when everybody is pushing in the same direction on these issues. Chandler, you mentioned the challenges wheat growers are seeing across the country, and one of the major ones has been this ongoing three-year pattern of drought across much of wheat country, starting to see some rains in Kansas. Does that have your producers excited as we look ahead to
8: 2023? I mean, any rain gets a farmer excited usually, uh, but I I have to be honest, I'm very concerned. The USDA is already saying that we're going to have one of the lowest winter wheat Production years since I believe the 50s or the 60s. I mean, it's just been simply too dry for too long. And yes, we are getting some rain now, but then you know, our, your winter wheat should already be up and moving and growing and and, and you know having flag leaves out. And it's just simply not the the subsoil is so dry because of the multiple years of drought, as you mentioned. And so there are still significant concerns. Our really large states in the Great Plains are suffering from this drought, and and I am worried about the winter wheat production.
0: Absolutely. It is still a major concern. As you think about the weather impacts disaster funding, Chandler, are wheat growers looking to see any changes in the way that gets rolled out here over this next year?
8: Well, you know, there were a lot of comments on, you know, the emergency relief program and, and, and things along those lines, but, you know, really everybody along with the wheat growers said that we need to make sure that we enhance and expand crop insurance. It was a more reliable system. It was able to get assistance to producers quicker. Many times when we have these ad hoc disaster programs, uh, yes, they do help the producer, but it it can be a year, a year and a half, two years after the disaster actually took place. And you know, especially for young and beginning farmers, they don't have enough um, cash and equity to go a year or two years waiting on a disaster relief package to come through Congress. And so there was a lot of emphasis going back again to the importance of crop insurance to help us deal not only with variable markets, but also with these erratic weather patterns and, and extended drought.
0: There's always something going on in the world of agriculture. You know, Chandler Brent uh, Brent Chain, President Brent Chain mentioned yesterday just a a staggering fact and it's one I think we've kind of talked around a little bit, the difference in price between the average cost to get the crop in the ground and PLC. Your president mentioned that prices would have to drop 62% before this safety net kicked in and he pointed out, I think rightly so, that's not much of a safety net. If a 60% drop in prices is what it takes to get paid, is it?
3: No,
8: it's not and you know you know, the kind of thing we were wanting to pose as well as, you know, not only just to the members, but, you know, to anybody. Can you imagine what your lifestyle would look like if today your, your salary dropped 62% that you and I collect? I mean, that, nobody can really budget and, and sustain a, any type of business uh, when that's the kind of decrease you have to take in order to get your, 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 your um, safety net to kick in. And so, again, uh, yes, yeah, so continuing to look at the uh, PLC price uh, increase, the effective PLC price. Uh, And then, of course, you know, we also discussed other interesting things like the international markets that are going on and conservation. Uh, It was it was just a good hearing all around.
0: That is good to hear. Anything that Nog is pushing for on the conservation front, Chandler? That's going to be a hot issue, I'd imagine, in this new farm bill.
8: It is. uh, You know, we just as long as we continue to make sure that the conservation programs remain voluntary and that we do not add or expand any conservation compliance uh, programs any further than they've, and then they've already been expanded into past farm bills, and that we make sure that we're, and when we're looking at any program, not just conservation, but any program that comes out, one size does not fit all. Um, and so if we're talking about cover crops, if we're talking about the safety net, if we're talking about, you know, CSP, EQIP, one size does not fit all. You know, we have six classes of wheat that basically grow, grow in six very different geographies. You cannot write one program to meet all of those requirements. And though it's not under a Title II conservation program, uh, CRP, uh, N- NOG, um, changed their policy or added their uh, to their policy uh, at Commodity Classic this year saying that we think CRP should have a more regional approach because the way CRP rolls out in eastern Washington State and Oregon and how it's rolled out in Kansas and the impact it has on land values and the and, and the farmers that, that are participating in it is very different. And so, having a one size fits all CRP program has again shown us that that does not work. And so, we're hoping to see more either regionality or crop specific type programs just because wheat's unique. You know, we grow year round and we have those six different classes. So, you can't write programs that fit corn and soy and expect it to cover wheat growers.
0: It is it is a huge issue. That is a very interesting approach. Do you think Chandler does the week do we growers believe that we could start that process for a more regional CRP in this farm bill, or would a lot more research be required to get the ball rolling?
8: You no, know, well, so we just passed that back in March, our growers did, um, and we have started discussing it up on the hill of what that would look like. So since we've already got the the RCCP programs, which is the regional conservation programs that were put in, uh, I think, in the 14 farm bill, we already have some parameters and success stories of where regionalization and regional programming does work. Now, CRP has been around since, what, the 80s? So changing it uh, into a regional program in one bill might be a little difficult, but I think we've already got a blueprint of how to get it started so we're not reinventing the wheel
0: all right it'll be interesting to watch that process develop here as summer goes on but chandler i want to circle back to a comment you made earlier you talked about the changes in the global wheat market and of course wheat is one of those unique crops that's grown nearly everywhere around the world from the global perspective what are some of the issues that you're watching here in 2023
8: well, you know, the big issue that we continue to watch is this continued war between, uh, with, that Russia has, uh, invaded Ukraine and what that's doing to, you know, the, the, to two of the largest wheat exporters and, and, and making sure that Black Sea, uh, uh grain chain can stay open there. But that, that, that's one thing that we're looking at. But if we're looking at something that's not such a, uh, war conflict issue, we have a huge problem with India. India continues to, internally subsidize their their wheat growers not only for fuel costs, fertilizer costs, crop uh, crop protection costs, and then just flat out subsidization, that they are completely out of compliance with WTO. Um, it's exactly the case that wheat and rice won against China back during the Trump administration. And so I know both of our commodities, right, uh, USA Rice and nog, are both putting pressure on the administration to bring a case against India Ah, uh, for the exact same thing, because we've already got a win and a precedent that gets China. We know that we could win this if we could get at the case in front of the WTO. And so, uh, we continue to look at their, their internal subsidization and how it is putting every wheat grower outside of India and especially in the United States at a market
0: disadvantage. Chandler I'd like to expand on that if we could a little bit. Watching what India pays their wheat growers the concern is now the Indians are growing too much wheat and effectively dumping it on the global market for lack of a better phrase.
8: Absolutely yes and and, and they are being subsidized where they're they are producing their wheat so much cheaper than the market prices that we have here. And again, as I said, you know, uh, India wanted to be in, in the WTO. They're there now, but they're not playing by the rules.
0: All right, we're going to have to watch that develop, Chandler. What would you anticipate here for a timeline on this USTR action? What do we what do we remember from the case with China, and how do these things generally go?
8: So the China case, it took about two and a half or three years from the uh, conception through getting a an, an agreement. But I will say this. On the China case, China didn't even appeal. They lost. They got their hands spanked. There was no way to for them to move forward. I mean they could have they could have appealed it and drug us through that for a couple more years, but they did not. Now we don't even have a case filed against India. So I mean even if it started today It would still be two and a half or three years, I think, before we would have a decision.
0: Well, at least the ball is rolling, folks. We've been talking with Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Chandler, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely.
8: Always enjoy being on your show and uh, looking forward to talking to you soon again.
0: Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Do you
6: know how much one stock of weed is worth? Well, you're about to find out wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel there are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel about 50 kernels per stock which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel that means that if a bushel is worth $8 then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents so you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1 now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour a bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti wheat is the primary grain used in u.s grain products approximately three quarters of all u.s grain products are made from wheat flour and in the united states one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat so if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth now you know these farm facts brought to you by the american ag network
1: in today's troubled world our usa armed forces stand ready to protect you your family and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Agriculture of America is brought to you by
0: Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform.
1: Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, A-O-A. You know, as we just heard from Chandler Gould there in segment three, the farm bill discussion is underway in Washington, D.C. Different commodity groups all presenting their cases for what their industry needs to stay strong, to stay relevant, and keep those producers making money as we look out to the future. Another industry group that's working hard to get those farm bill ideas on paper is the National Pork Producers Council. Joining us now is Scott Hayes. He's serving as president this year of the NPPC. And Scott, thanks for joining us today.
10: Hey, Mike, thanks for having us on. We appreciate you uh, allowing us an opportunity to, to speak to your listeners.
0: You bet. We've got to keep that supply of, of bacon coming. Scott, let's talk a little bit about what's on the mind of pork producers here as they're looking ahead to the 2023 Farm Bill. From your perspective, it's an animal health issue, isn't it?
10: It sure is, Mike. You know, every producer's thinking about foreign animal disease today with African swine fever, you know, in, in the Western Hemisphere now. So, you know, we have Two priorities there, and the first is prevention, uh, and the second is is preparedness. And so we're we're asking for uh, the more APHIS field staff, uh, more uh, customs and border protection, you know, the folks that that keep our ports uh, secure, uh, checking passengers coming in, checking cargo coming in with with the beagles that you see at the airport or or the labs that are behind the scene. At labradors that that are behind the scene checking packages. And then also funding for the National Animal Health Labs. So uh, if we do have an issue, we've got to do a lot of testing and we've got to do it fast. and and those folks are really good at that. Uh, along with that, you know there's uh, there's money in the farm bill for trade and and market access, uh, map funding, uh, a couple of different programs there and that's so important to pork producers we like trade we're we're the best in the world at raising pigs we can do it at a lower cost than anybody else and uh we like to uh share our product around the world and and u.s consumers like that as well because it it allows us to get more value out of those pieces and parts that that we don't necessarily want to eat here which makes uh that bacon and more importantly this time of year those ribs less expensive for for american consumers
0: it certainly does if we can get a couple of bucks for a snout moving overseas take a couple of bucks off the price of pork chops that that's a win for an american uh, buyer there scott i'm curious yeah, you mentioned definitely the is. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the focus on animal health in the 2023 Farm Bill, and that's an area we have seen big changes in the swine industry. I think back to the Farm Bill in 2018, that was when African swine fever was just starting to make some headlines over in China. Do you think the uh, the our legislators in D.C. understand how much the game has changed in the last five years from a health perspective?
10: I, I think so. We've spent a lot of time educating folks on the Hill uh, there's always more education to do. And of course, a lot of new members uh, showed up this year. Uh, several new members on the AG committee, but but we've been in there working. Our staffs working hard to educate them. I think they understand the the uh, severity of of uh, ASF or foot and mouth disease uh, entering this country. What it does to to our food supply, to food security in this country, uh, and. But we, we've got to just continue to educate, continue to explain the need, uh, help them understand what what we need to do to prevent it. And then also uh, the, the tools and the resources we're going to need if, if God forbid, it, it does hit our shores, you know, what it's going to take to get to businesses back to business as usual. It would certainly be an impact that would be felt throughout the ag economy if we were to get
0: some of those uh, terrible animal disease issues on our shores. Scott, I'm curious, the trade market access component, we're so good at raising pork, but we've got to have enough buyers to, to keep that price up. From a trade perspective, what would the industry like to see? What would be a win in this farm bill?
10: What, what we're working on right now is is uh, better access uh, into the Indo-Pacific area, uh, specifically Vietnam and the Philippines. We still have some tariffs there that uh, that Europe's not paying, South America's not paying, you know, at the level that we are. Uh, we, we would like to have better access into those markets. Uh, as far as emerging markets, uh, India uh, and uh Central Africa or markets that we're looking at, uh, trying to get access uh, into those markets as well. Uh, China's picking up, they're, they're buying more product. Uh, and so hopefully they continue to do that throughout this year. Uh, and, uh, but Mexico's the, the shining star. They, they're taking a tremendous amount of product. They were our largest buyer last year by volume and by value. Uh, and it looks like they're on track to to do that again this year. We certainly appreciate our, our Mexican trading partner friends.
0: That is good to hear. Glad those purchases are starting to ramp up, especially as we see food service continue to grow there in the country of Mexico as tourism develops. Scott, let's take a step back. If you would, take a look at the regulatory system as a whole here standing over the hog industry are there any regulatory issues that pork producers are are pushing to get changed here this year
10: we're certainly watching some things i mean wotus is uh you know on the minds of, of pig farmers the same as as crop farmers such an overreach onto our farms uh you know and and so unwarranted you know we we Farmers are, are the original environmentalists. We want to do the right thing. And when it comes to pig manure, that's such a valuable resource. I mean, you know what the price of fertilizer is today. And, uh, and that's really what we have is liquid fertilizer under these buildings. Uh, and, and we're certainly going to use it the right way and the right amount in the right places at the right time because we want it to stay on the, in the soil, you know, for next year's crop. And which is important to pig farmers right now with uh, the cost of feed, Uh, you know, we need a good bean and, and corn crop this year.
0: We certainly do. A lot of end users are hoping for the exact same thing. Folks, we are talking with Scott Hayes here. He's serving this year as the president for the National Pork Producers Council. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be watching for some news on that Proposition 12 decision from the Supreme Court coming up. Thanks for joining us here today. And folks, stay with us. Tune in tomorrow. Jesse Allen will be sitting behind the microphone for great conversations about the ag industry. Tune in then. You won't want to miss it. Have a great day, everybody. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart.
4: Hi, I'm news correspondent Bob Woodruff. In 2006, a roadside bomb struck the armored vehicle I was riding in while reporting from Iraq. I sustained a life-threatening traumatic brain injury. The military term got your six means I have your back. And that day, our service members had mine. During my recovery, I learned firsthand the challenges facing our service members who return home with injuries, while serving their fellow service members always had their six. Now that they're home, it is our turn. We started the Bob Woodruff Foundation to make sure that the camaraderie and support they relied on in the military carries on, and we need you. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative and help us be there for impacted veteran service members and their families. They've had our backs. It's time we have theirs. Learn more at gotyour6.org. That's gotyour6.org. Using the number six.
10: As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.